الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والذين جاهدوا فينا لنهدي أنهم سبولنا سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم A large part of the success of the believer in this world is the attitude that they have toward others. A significant portion of the success of the believer in this world is the attitude that the believer has toward other people. It comes in narration that once the Prophet ﷺ was with his companions and he was sitting in the masjid and he pointed toward an entrance and the Prophet ﷺ said that through that door or through that entrance is going to come a man from Jannah. Through that entrance and he pointed saying from there is going to come a man of Jannah and entered in was a very pious Sahabi. And he walked in and he had his face, his beard was still wet with the water of wudu. And he had in his hands his shoes to put them away. So of course everybody glanced at that person. The next day, same time, same place, the Prophet was sitting with his companions and he said, Through that door is going to come a person of Jannah. And entered into that gathering, or entered into the masjid was the same individual, walked in. Same style of walking in, same appearance, and everyone glanced at that Sahabi radiallahu anhu. And then, the next day, the Prophet ﷺ was sitting with a uh, the same group of companions, sitting with a group of companions, and through that same door, the Prophet ﷺ said, "Through that door will come another person of Jannah." Or sorry, through that per- through that door will come a person of Jannah. And that same Sahabi radiallahu anhu walked in, same appearance, same style, same fashion, walked into that gathering. And in that gathering of the Sahaba was a very pious Sahabi by the name of Abdullah bin Amr bin Al-As radiallahu anhu. And he began thinking, who must this person be? What must this person have done? What kind of ibadah did this person do that... For three days in a row, the Prophet ﷺ said that this is a person of Jannah. This is a person of Jannah. And if you read the biography of Abdullah bin Amr bin Asr, he was considered to be the Sahabi or a Sahabi that, that was the most regular and most consistent in his worship. It's said about him that he would fast every single day. Every single day of the year, with the exception of the two Eids, this Sahabi would fast and fast and fast and fast. And every single night he would stand up and pray Qiyamul Layl. Every single night he would not miss his tahajjud. Just every single night, tahajjud, tahajjud, tahajjud. So he'd fast during the day, he'd perform salah through the night, and every single day he would complete one recitation of the Qur'an. One khatam of the Qur'an every single day he would complete. This is the, the amount of ibadah that this man had performed. So he was amazed. Who must this person be? Or what must this person be doing in his life that would grant him the promise of Jannah by the Prophet ﷺ for three days in a row? 
three days in a row this person was granted this. So one day, Abdullah bin Amr bin Asr he showed up to the door, or showed up to the house of this pious person. And he told the pious person that I would just like to observe you. If you give me permission, I would just like to observe you for some time. So this person said, no problem, you can observe me. So he came into the house of this pious person, Abdullah bin Asr he came into this house, and he began to observe him. The night time had come, and so... Abdullah bin Amr bin Asr al-Anhu, he took the Sahabi, he took his blanket, and he lied down on his side, and he created a little opening through which he would be able to see what special act, what special deed this Sahabi, who was guaranteed Jannah by the Prophet, what, this, what, what great act this person must have performed. So he lied down with a, uh, with a cloth, and he created a little bit of an opening so he'd be able to see through it. And when he looked through it, and nighttime had come, this Sahabi, <clears throat> got himself together, he recited the dua of Allahumma bismika amutu wa ahya, and he went to sleep on his right side like this on the ground. So he must be thinking, what is this? He's going to sleep through the night. And he slept all the way until the adhan of fajr had come. He slept all the way until the adhan of fajr had come. And this Sahabi, who would spend his entire night praying tahajjud, tahajjud, thinking, how is it that this person is sleeping through the entire night and the Prophet ﷺ was giving him the endorsement of Jannah? I would expect that he would be praying at least a portion of the night or some portion of the night, praying Qiyamul Layl or praying tahajjud. At that time, tahajjud was essentially like, it was like a fard for the Sahaba. No one missed tahajjud salah. It wasn't, you know, it's not something, today we, it's a, it's, a, it's a feat, right? It's an accomplishment if a person's been able to wake up and pray the Hajjah. But at the time of the Sahaba, this was the norm, this was the standard. It wasn't unusual for someone to wake up for the Hajjah. Everyone would do this. And so the Sahabi is thinking, how is it that out of all of the companions of the Prophet, this person for three days in a row walks into the masjid, and the Prophet says that this person is a person of Jannah, and yet he's sleeping through the entire night. So the next day comes, same situation, he says, you know what, I'm going to observe him for one more day. The night time had come, the Sahabi took his blanket, he looked, he kept an opening through which he would be able to see what this pious person was doing. And that pious person, night time had come and he recited the dua, Allahumma bismika amutu wa ahi, the dua that you write before going to sleep, he went to sleep on his right side like this. And he slept all the way until the Adhan of Fajr had woken him up again. This person, Sahabi Abdullah bin Amr bin Asi, starts thinking, how is this even possible? Two nights in a row, and this Sahabi is sleeping through the entire night, wakes up for the Fajr Adhan, and yet he is given the title of Jannah, or given the, uh, the glad tidings Jannah by the Prophet And he's so confused. How is this possible? He said, you know what, I'll give one more chance. One more day I'll stay with this companion. So the same thing, nighttime has come. He takes his blanket, lies down, he leaves a little bit of an opening so he's able to observe and see what this person perhaps does in secrecy, does in privacy, you know, so that no one else would know. So this Sahabi, the pious Sahabi, the Prophet same thing happened. Nightfall comes, he recites the dua, Allahumma bismika amutu wa ahya, puts his hand on his right side, the way the Prophet did, he goes to sleep, and he wakes up, he sleeps deep sleep until the Fajr prayer. Until the Fajr prayer. Now the morning time comes and the Sahabi who is observing says, how is it possible? What is going on? He's just so confused. He's so shocked that someone who, out of 124,000 Sahaba that were present in the time of the Prophet this person is selected and yet he's spending his entire night just sleeping. He's not waking up for the Tahajjud prayer. He's not waking up for Qiyam. 
And yet, this Sahabi, Abdullah bin Amr bin An'as, who hasn't been given this you know, glad tiding by the Prophet is fasting every day, praying every single night, and reciting one Qur'an every single day. Every single day. So he's baffled, bewildered. How is it possible? So then he approaches the Sahabi and he asks him, what is it? What is it that you do that got you this title or got you this guarantee or gave you this endorsement by the Prophet Not just for one day, not two days, but three days in the row, witnessed by all of us. He, he said that a person of Jannah is going to enter into it. What is it that you do? What's so special? So the Sahabi responded and said, Whatever you saw, this is exactly what I do. There's nothing, there's nothing special about me. This, I am what you see, that's it. <laughs> now the Sahabi is saying, this is, this is not possible. So he says, okay, I'm going to go to the Prophet and I'm going to ask the Prophet what is it about this person? What makes this person so special that you have stated for three days consecutively that this is a person of Jannah? So he starts walking out of the house of this companion. And before he approaches the door, the Sahabi says, come back, come back, come back, come back, come back, come back. And he brings him back. And he says, look. And he points toward his chest. He says, you see this here? He points toward his chest. He says, you see this here? And the Sahabi says, in here, there isn't any ill-feeling, ill-thought, hasad, bold." Nothing of that sort toward any person in the world. Toward any person in the world. I have nothing in here of evil thoughts, evil uh, evil assumptions. I think only positively of other people. It doesn't matter who they are. And then he said that I don't have any hasad, jealousy, envy toward anything that anybody has. Whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given me, that's it. And I'm content. And there's nothing in this heart of ill feelings toward any other person. So Abdullah bin Amr bin al he jumped up and he said, Hada huwa. that's it. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly why you were given this uh, this this uh, endorsement by the Prophet of Jannah. There's nothing in your heart of ill thoughts, ill feelings toward a single other person. And then as a result, you've been given this endorsement by the Prophet that you are a person of Jannah. SubhanAllah. The person from amongst the Sahaba who had performed more ibadah, perhaps more consistently than any other Sahabi, according to the scholars, comes to witness and observe what action this person must be doing that will grant them the title of Jannah. And he's expecting to see something special, some unique, you know, maybe dua that he would recite, some unique action that he would perform, some unique ibadah that he would do. And all he comes to know after three days of spending com- in the company of this pious person, he finds out at the end that the reason that the Prophet ﷺ considered this individual to be such a special person, not just to him, but to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the reason that he's such a special person is because in his heart, his heart is pure and he doesn't have any ill feelings toward another person. He has no ill feelings toward another person. The ultimate goal of the believer who strives to become near to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that the believer reach a point in which in their heart there is no ill feeling or thought toward other people. This is the this is a principal goal of a person who's striving toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
that through becoming close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, becoming very near to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a person becomes so connected and so focused on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that they don't have any ill thoughts and feelings toward other people. And our hope and our desire is that before we leave this world, that in our heart there is nothing of ill feeling toward any other person that we interact with. And by doing so, we hope, we pray, we uh, we desire that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from amongst the people of Jannah as well. That He make us from amongst the people of Jannah as well. As a person progresses toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they go through different stages in their relationship with other people, or in their thoughts, or in their interactions with other people. The person who's spiritually immature, the person who doesn't have a sense of who and how great Allah Ta'ala is, and how great His ability to create is, that person is caught up in the lives of other people. They love talking about other people. They like slandering other people. And this is the, the first step of a person who's trying to become close to Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. The first step is the first sign of their progression, a, 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 an early sign or the first sign of their progression toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that they begin to control their tongue. They begin to control their tongue so that backbiting, so that slandering, so that speaking ill of other people, speaking ill toward other people, sp- speaking ill of other people, these things begin to leave their life. And if a person in their life sees that they continue to slander people, they love to talk about other people, they love to speak ill of other people, they enjoy, pleasure comes from them talking about other people. They can go for hours talking on the phone about what so-and-so did, what so-and-so said, what so-and-so, uh, where so-and-so was. They can do this for hours and hours and hours. And they enjoy doing this. And that's a sign of spiritual immaturity in the first step of a person becoming close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as it translates into their interaction with other people, is that they leave speaking about other people with their tongue. And in particular, speaking ill of other people with their tongue. It's commonplace today. We, we, we have gatherings where we like to speak about other people. So the first sign of a person's progress toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that they leave speaking ill of other people, whether it be true, whether it not be true, speaking ill of other people, is they, they, that's left from their life. That's removed from their life. And if a person finds in their life that they still are engaged in talking about other people, then they should see that they, there's a lot more uh, progress that needs to be achieved. The second, the next level, the next sign of a person becoming close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as it translates into their interaction with other people is that their heart does not harbor ill feelings toward other people. You know, it's one thing to control your tongue, to not speak ill or not, you know, write ill of other people, whether it be truthful or untruthful. That's the first step, is to, is to control your tongue so that you're not conveying the thoughts that you have in your mind and in your heart toward other people. But a person can still harbor these ill feelings in their heart. The next level, the next step of, pro- the next sign of progression is that a person leaves those thoughts altogether. Those thoughts are removed from their heart. They don't, they, it's one thing to not say anything, it's another thing to not even think that about another person. It's another thing to not think, why is this person the way they are? Why is this person saying this and that? Why is this person um, uh, going these particular places? Why is this person, you know, uh, creating fitna? I mean, none of these things come into the heart. A person leaves these ill feelings of other people so that when they go to bed at night, they realize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in charge and they have not, they've forgiven everyone for any wrong that has been done to them. But even more so than that, they don't harbor any ill feeling toward another person. 
this is uh, this is the next level. This is this requires effort on the part of the person becoming close to Allah. It, it doesn't just happen. A person has to engage themselves in abundant dhikr and coming to the masjid and reciting the Quran. And as a result, the heart will then develop. And the first sign that they'll see is that backbiting, slandering, uh, 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 speaking ill of other people will then leave their life. The next step will be that the thoughts themselves that they harbor in their heart toward other people will then begin to leave. And this is very subtle. You know, sometimes we don't think that we think negatively of other people. But let's say that we hear someone speaking about someone else negatively. Then we, in our minds, we're thinking, oh yes, get him, get him, get him. You know, we enjoy, we enjoy hearing it. Or, or somehow a thought comes into our mind and we start thinking in our life, oh, you know what, I'm actually better. This person doesn't pray. This person doesn't, you know, fast. This person uh, doesn't recite Quran. This person, you know, doesn't wear hijab. This person doesn't come to the masjid. And we start having all these negative thoughts about other people, but that's a sign of immaturity. It's a sign of spiritual immaturity. When a person progresses and becomes close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then ill feelings, ill thoughts, hasad, envy, you know, the jealousy, all of these things, then leave that person's heart. And then the final level of progression toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when it, with regards to it translating into our relationship with other people, is that a believer begins to feel that they are genuinely the most need of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's no one else on the planet no one else on the planet, believer, non-believer, relative, not relative, friend, not friend, they are more in need of the mercy, not deserving, most in need of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than anyone else around. Why? What happens is that a person, through becoming close to Allah, recognizes how great Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, and then subsequently or consequently how worthless they themselves are. And their focus and their attention becomes on how they themselves can become better. How they themselves can attain Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness. How they themselves can become consistent in their deen. That they didn't forget about everyone else. They didn't forget about everyone else. They forget, they forget about what some, so-and-so said to them. They forget about what you know, negative thing so-and-so had done. They forget about these things because this isn't even crossing their mind. They're so focused and so concerned about what their life will be like in the hereafter. They're so focused and they're so concerned about what their time will be like in their grave. They're so focused and so concerned about what their day of judgment will be like when they're standing before Allah. They're so focused and so concerned about what their fate will be or what their destiny, destination will be when they have to cross the Sirat. They're so focused and so concerned upon where their final abode will be that they aren't able to harbor ill feelings, ill thoughts, and they aren't able to be concerned about anything but about if they are going to receive Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy. This is when a person can say that they've reached a, 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 a pinnacle of this deen. That number one, ill speech toward about other people toward other people that leaves their life. They don't talk about other people. Period. They just it's just not it's not worth it. It's just shooting yourself in the foot, you know. Or even even acknowledging something negative of about another person that in and of itself is a sign of weakness as well. Verbally acknowledging. The next step is that a person leaves ill harmful har, uh, feelings and harboring ill feelings in their heart toward other people. Whether they speak about it, whether they write about it, whether they text about it, whether they tweet about it, that doesn't matter. <clears throat> that they've already left. In addition to that, now they've actually left their heart 
harboring ill feelings about other people. Their mind doesn't have recurrent thoughts about what other people did, what other people have, how they want to have what other people have, how so-and-so is not going through difficulty. Why are they not going through difficulty? I'm going through difficulty. They should go through that difficulty as well. Or I'm the one that has the most challenges in this world. Why is so-and-so have a comfortable life? Why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give that person that and give me this? Even those thoughts begin to leave that person's life. That's in the second sign. And the third sign that a person has, has, has made progress toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that they truly, genuinely believe from the bottom of their heart that there is no one who is, who is in more need of the mercy of Allah and more need of the attention of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than they themselves. And we see this in our, in our elders, in the ulama, in the mashayikh. They, when they, uh, when, uh, in, in their heart lives such taqwa, such proximity to Allah that although they have accomplished more than any of us have accomplished in our deen, collectively, in their heart, they genuinely believe that they are in the most need of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we're thinking that this person is a person of Jannah, this scholar is a person of Jannah, this, you know, this da'i is a person of Jannah, this you know, individual who serves the community is a person of Jannah, they're thinking in their mind that I'm the least deserving of Jannah, and in fact, I'm the most need of Allah ta'ala's mercy. They don't just, they don't say this, it'll never come from their mouth, but this is the state that they have in their heart. Because this is how close they become to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we should strive to become like this as well. We shouldn't harbor any ill feelings toward other people. We shouldn't think negatively of other people. We shouldn't desire what other people have. Unless it's something that's of benefit to us in this world and in the hereafter. But our focus should be on our own weaknesses. Our focus should be on our own struggles. Our focus should be on our lack of, uh, of consistency when it comes to this deen. And rather than focusing upon the weaknesses of other people, we should recognize that we are the most need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's love and His attention and His mercy, and we should strive and work toward it. We should strive and work toward it. Now, it isn't going to be that we in this world will get the guarantee that this Sahabi had gotten from the Prophet ﷺ for three days in a row that you are that this person that's going to walk through this door is a person of Jannah. Perhaps we'll never. I mean, there's no possibility of us receiving that kind of thing. But we can hope that, inshallah, we will be from amongst that same group of people. May Allah Subhanahu wa Taala grant you and the tawfiq to to remove from our heart ill feelings and thoughts of other people. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to control our tongues, control our thoughts, control our minds. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from amongst the people of Jannah in the same way that he had made this particular sahabi from amongst the people of Jannah. Wa akhir da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.